Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we're following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Rathilion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle, a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to American Muslim Project. I'm Asa the Butt. I wanted to start the show off today by sharing a story many of you are aware of, and that is the murder and hate crime of Wadia Al-Fayumi in a Chicago suburb last week. Wadia was a six-year-old Muslim boy who was stabbed to death by his family's landlord. Police are saying it's likely linked to all the news coming out of the Israel and Hamas war. Wadia was stabbed 26 times. His mother was also seriously injured. It is being investigated as a hate crime. I'm sure you've seen the picture of him that's been going around the news wearing a hat that says happy birthday on it. I think his birthday was just a couple days before. It's just really an awful story and and heartbreaking and indicative of what many Muslims are feeling right now, you know, just a, a rise of Islamophobia um, as a result of what's going on in the Middle East. And I haven't seen the data. I don't even know if it's out there, but I know the people that I know are comparing it to how it felt after 9-11 when all of us felt really scared to be just us in America, to just be Muslim and alive in America. And we all know that after 9-11, a lot of us were targeted just for being who we were. Look, I'm optimistic by nature, so I'm hoping that this is just an isolated incident and that others like it are just isolated as well. Um, I'm really hoping that this kind of feeling of Islamophobia will tamp down. And so here at Falion, we are going to continue to share stories about what notable American Muslims are working on. It's our simple way of breaking down any walls between us and other Americans and to really show that we're all one in the same. I'm really excited about our guest today. Kashif Pasta is an award-winning director, writer, and producer, and he uses film and storytelling to tell character-driven stories centered on South Asians and Muslims. 
He is the co-founder of Dunya Media, a production company that empowers filmmakers of color to tell stories with joy, wonder, and purpose. We'll talk about that in the interview. Kashif actually recently won an award at South by Southwest, the Grand Jury Prize and Audience Award, for a music video that he produced. His most recent directorial work is a sci-fi drama, short drama, called Desi Standard Time Travel, featuring a South Asian you know, Muslim lead. It is awesome. I absolutely loved it, and I hope that you seek it out and watch it. It's playing at festivals around the world. So... Up after the break, our conversation with Kashif, where we talk about all things filmmaking. We'll be right back. Kashif, welcome to American Muslim Project. So excited to have you on. I guess we should say Canadian Muslim Project for this for this one. <laughs> um, but thanks for joining. I, I am, you know, I was reading your bio and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we've known each other for a little bit. But um, I, I really like this description about your storytelling, directing. It said, you're focused on telling stories of joy, wonder, and social purpose. I wonder if you could talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. And yeah, we're, you know, Muslim Canadian working on the American part, uh, studying up for that, <laughs> <Yeah>. for that <laughs> test. Oh, that's right. I'll quiz you later you know. at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, it's a long national anthem, but we, we're, we're going to get there. Um <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I, as you said, I love telling stories that have a sense of wonder, come from a place of joy and have that sense of purpose, mostly because, I don't know, one, that's kind of how I see the world. I, I it, It's all tied up in, in, you know, how I grew up and, and the version of Islam that I was brought up in as well was a very optimistic, very relatively positive version of things. And that really shaped my worldview. And so I when it came... I Pakistani or Muslim... What, what is this positive? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, so my parents, so my parents are religious, but I didn't grow up in uh, a significantly Muslim community, and I think that was like a secret mm. advantage. Interesting. Like right. I grew up with with an active mosque, where you go there, you pray, okay. then you go home. But like, I kind of married into the Muslim community in a sense. Like once I once I met my wife, once I got married, I started going to Pakistan events and was like. Oh, okay. Not you know, being in mostly non-Muslim situations almost made me more Muslim because I was oh. like, "Well, this is what I do, and this is what I believe sure, in." Sure, sure. And then people around me were like, "Yeah, you're Muslim. That's what you do." Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> and so there was like an acceptance of that. That once I was in more Muslim spaces, I was like, "Oh, there's culture is like a separate." Okay, got it. Um, it was all really tied up for me because I grew up in such a South Asian city, yeah. but not with a lot of Muslims. Okay. But yeah, for me, I think like. <laughs> I don't know. These are just the stories that I really latched onto growing up. I loved film from early on, kind of before I was aware of representation as an issue. Mm, yeah, sure. Quote unquote. Yeah, of course. And then as I got older, it became more of a thing. And you started to see like, oh, this is actually really also capital I important. But growing up on a lot of, you know, American popcorn films and British comedy and Bollywood and Pakistani TV, it's like, I, I saw people who looked like me in all different forms. You know, I went to movie theaters and saw Bollywood films. They didn't live like me, but I, I saw the visual. I saw melanin on the screen. And so I think there's a certain perspective that I love to bring to it where it's like, I want audiences to be able to see themselves in a better light, more so than trying to prove to any kind of outside group that, you know, are we worthy of representation? It's more saying, hey, you're already killing it. Like, let's let's just see yourself in an accurate light. Yeah. So when did that representation kind of come to your 
the forefront of your existence when you're a teen or college later on? How and and do you know yeah. how or when or what? 9-11? I mean, I feel like a lot of people will talk to you. It's like 9-11 all of a sudden, you know. Yeah, this is a wild story for the American Muslim Project. So my birthday is September 11th. No way. Hey, <laughs> all right. I got married on September 11th. So yeah, okay. Uh, congrats, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's a... It's it's a rough one to try and celebrate. Yeah. I didn't do a lot of birthday parties growing up. But yeah, so so my school actually we used to go on these camping trips every September, kind of beginning of the year. And you know, it was a, it was a Montessori, it was a very like, you know, hippie environmentalist school kind of thing. We would be completely cut off from from home life from sure. contact from home like really be immersed in it. And so it happened that Tuesday. Oh, wow. We didn't you really were know away. what was happening while I was away oh, at camp. Okay. So we didn't really know, but then we got a sense of people at the campsite next to us were acting a little different. Our teachers seemed a little worried. We got a sense of like something about airports being closed. We don't really know. Oh, they didn't tell you. Um, oh, had did... my 10th birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So initially, no. Okay. Right? Initially, no idea. And then by like the Thursday, so that would have been the 13th or 14th, we went on this long hike. It was like this three, four hour hike. And, you know, at the top of the, the mountain or hill or whatever, we're at this lake. And the teachers tell us that, like, hey, a few days ago, the World Trade Centers were attacked. Oh and we're goodness. like, what are the World Trade yeah, Centers? I guess, yeah, like, we're 10 years old, we're Canadian, yeah, totally. we're like, what does that mean? <laughs> and you were in and they Canada explained... at the time. This is, you're hiking. We were, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Ross Lake, is like on the Washington, BC border, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> technically in Washington, but there was no border checkpoint. Again, very much free. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> there was, there was a sign please, that said yeah. international border. Okay. Yeah. And so they gave us the information, and we're like, well, obviously that sounds awful. And the poor teachers had to deal with like 30 you know, 10-year-olds that they had to they had to relay this information to. But we got the idea, right, that, like, this is a horrible thing to have happened. Why did it happen? All that. And when we came home on the Friday, what was really fascinating was we had had just the information, just the bullet points, and everyone back home had had the 24-hour news cycle. Sure. And the perception, like, the 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 way that that was affecting them was so clearly different. And the And... And it was such an odd experience now looking back to have that direct A-B test of just the facts and facts plus images and mm, mediation oh, and filtering of story sure. and how that literally affects your perception of an event. And so that, I think, was a moment of going, oh, this stuff, like, matters, matters. Like, the images make a difference. Obviously, then being 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, you know, seeing yourself be villainized. The, I'm sure this, this story's come up on this podcast yeah, before, right? Course, yeah. Pakistani background. It was in South Asia. Suddenly, it's in the Middle East after yeah, a few years. Yeah, right? Like, right, right. it's, uh, you know, Lahore's in the Middle East and Amritsar's in South Asia yeah. and they're 45-minute drive yeah, apart, totally. right? So, <laughs> so you start to see, like, oh, a lot of our world is constructed, is is through the images, is through story obviously seeing the damaging aspects of that, but then again, having been built in with this sense of like the positive power of storytelling, again, growing up on on all the films I grew up on, I'm in a very like film fan household. Like I had all those experiences as well. And so they were kind of, you know, that love of film was in there, that significance of it was in there. And then when I was 15 or 16, Little Mosque on the Prairie came ah, out. Ah, right. And especially, so in Canada, I mean, if people haven't heard about it, it's a sitcom about a Muslim community in Saskatchewan, like the Midwest of Canada. And it wasn't just a show, like it was on the national broadcaster, like the CBC, equivalent of the BBC. And it was the biggest hit in a decade. Like literally the network was having a tough time and this show saved totally. the comedy network. Right. Yeah, I remember, yeah. And, and so it wasn't just a situation where one, it was like, oh my God, Muslim comedy, you can do this. And it was pretty edgy for the time. And this was what, 2004, 2005, I want to say, right? Yeah, maybe seven. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but 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 in that in that that zone, right? So still pretty fresh and and going like, oh, not only is it possible to do comedy, 
But this is mainstream successful yeah. again. Like, I remember when season two started, and it went for seven seasons. When season two started, there were bus stop ads, and like, and that was a sense of seeing one, it's possible to do comedy, but also that, oh, you can get lots of people to work on your show or on your on your films if you can pay them. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was seeing, like, there weren't a lot of Muslims thing. in the industry, but you're like, okay, but how is this show sure. happening? There's yeah. one Muslim in the writer's room. I'm now lucky enough that I've, you know, been in a writer's room for Zarka Nawaz, who created that oh, show. That's awesome. uh, that's this year's in one with Zarka and yeah. Sadia Durrani. I've been, you know, in development on their new show, which is which is like a fun full circle moment. But yeah, I think seeing that possibility and the, those two, I think, key things kind of blended into, you know, empowering the work that I was doing. Um, just, you know, getting friends together in high school and making our shorts and, and whatnot in a way that showed, yeah, it's it really is possible. Yeah. It, this might be uh, news to our listeners. I actually don't even know what the actual percentage is, but there is a rule in Canada where something like 50% of the content that streams or goes over the airwaves or on network TV needs to be created in Canada. Is right? Is that right? It's something on network. On yeah, network. on network. Yeah, it's it's. I, I mean, the the percentage varies. It's close to like twenty twenty five percent, and that's where you get a lot of like uh, Canadian Idol yeah. and Canada's Got Talent <laughs> yeah, is right. usually the lowest possible <laughs> uh, thing. But but there is that yeah. there is that rule, and now they're looking at what the streaming version of that is. Sure, yeah. Um, and I, the reason but, yeah. I bring that up is that I think that's one of the reasons why Little Mosque on the Prairie was able to come about. And I think there's been other shows as well that that where you see, you know. Uh, brown characters or or non you know white characters more often than maybe in American television or streaming and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely, as a percentage, it sometimes feels higher. It's it's by the numbers, it's lower. But sure. but one of the things is like the, the things that actually get out then then do get out right. So a show like Transplant, which is about a Syrian doctor in an emergency right. room, like that ended up selling to NBC during COVID, and like that would be a tough one to get off the ground as an NBC original, right? It's also a very tough one to get off the ground in Canada, but there at least is a theoretical like mandate. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that every once in a while something breaks through, and so 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 there are those things. The study studies just starting now with Toronto Metropolitan University and a consultancy called Films with a Cause, where they're now doing their kind of USC Annenberg inclusion oh, cool. report yeah, style yeah, thing sure. that they're now they're now diving into. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one up there. Yeah. All right, Kashif, let's take a quick break, and we come back. We'll talk about your new short film. Welcome back to American Muslim Project. My guest today is director Kashif Pasta. I guess director, screenwriter, you're kind of a multi-hyphenate when it comes to this world. Uh, yeah, trying to keep it to writer, director. <laughs> trying to retire from producing okay. as best I can. Yeah. yeah. Your latest short film is called Desi Standard Time Travel. It's making the rounds across festivals across the world. I saw it recently and I just absolutely loved it. I would, can you describe it a little bit for listeners? Yeah, for sure. Appreciate that. So They See Standard Time Travel is a short film about this young father who loses his own dad very suddenly, but gets the chance to go back in time and fix their last conversation. But it's a Indian time travel agency, and love- we're not the best at like time management to begin with. So <laughs> instead of sending him back 30 days, they send him back 30 years where he meets his parents when they're about his age, and they are new immigrants, and they are pregnant with him. So it's this idea of like going back to maybe get the sage advice, these, these conversations you never had with your dad, and then going back and realizing they are just a couple who is a mess as much as he sure. is, uh, and kind of seeing your parents as real people for the first time. Yeah. Where did the idea come from? 
couple spots. Um, mainly this idea that my parents had a whole life before I was born, uh, which is unacceptable. Uh <laughs> Very hard to wrap your head around, <laughs> but they did. Apparently, it happened, and they're pretty good storytellers overall. And so, all these stories I would hear as a kid, you know, you hear them, and that's great. But then, as you start to hit the ages that they were in the stories, it started to recontextualize for me. You know, yeah. when they talk about being 21, 25, whatever, you're like eight years old, you're like, Yeah, that's the oldest a human could be. Of course, so yeah. fine. But once you start running the comparisons, you're like, Oh my god, they're just like people doing this i found an old vhs cassette of like me filming myself and then seeing my parents in the background and being like wait there's there's no adults here <laughs> like they, like in my mind as an eight-year-old i was like yeah great you know there's like this layer of protection seeing the video i was like they're just people in a house what's what's around the house like what what are you doing so it's a combination of that and and also growing up on a lot of british comedy and sci-fi and just this environment where again i grew up in a very south asian heavy city and we ha we still have travel agencies where That's like, amazing. you know, old South Asian people don't want to, they don't trust a website. So they'll they'll go to a travel agency where a person will put their credit card into a website. Um, and there was one called Globe Time Travel, which always used to bug me when I drove by because I'm like, Globe Time? Isn't Globe, so it doesn't, that doesn't, yeah, mean, it doesn't anything. mean anything. What is Globe Time? And then I was like, oh, unless instead of Globe Time Travel, it's Globe time travel uh, oh, very and just the idea that we would have that technology it would fully be in an indian strip mall and we would not pay attention yeah. to it because like <laughs> there is something about like we just don't we're like yeah that's just like a strip mall in the suburbs whatever indian neighborhood and like there is a lot that we do have that we don't necessarily appreciate so i'm like that is the kind of thing we would just have and right. not really talk For about sure. um and so somewhere the fusion of those two ideas uh led to the short film which i'm now adapting into a feature oh that's well. amazing yeah i can't wait to to see it i mean that that's amazing yeah you can't wait to figure it out yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, uh, my parents. So so uh, my wife and I have a six-month-old now. We traveled. We've now traveled twice across the country. And, you know, that was quite the experience to travel with a, a mm -hmm. six-month-old. And I was thinking back about how my parents, you know, they traveled to Pakistan from Boston with three kids under the age of five. <laughs> and you're just like wrapping my head around that, you know, on PIA you know, going from yeah. wherever, you know, New York to Frankfurt to Salva. So, yeah, it, I, I think. No internet. Yeah, exactly. No right. Exactly. Like, right. No. How do they do it? This idea that they had these lives before that we we are now, you know, we can see a little bit. But you were mentioning that you grew up in Surrey. And yeah. I, we've had this conversation before. You've told me this, that, that, you know, that is quite a diverse place. And now that you're living in L.A., it's like you're you're for the first time not surrounded by diversity yeah. and uh they see people what, what's that been like yeah it's a different kind of diversity here but it's definitely yeah it's funnily enough like the first time i've been a minority which is hilarious so yeah just to give people context like surrey is a suburb of vancouver it's if you're american the rough equivalent although it's not quite an equivalent would be like your edison's new jersey your fresno's your yeah. sugarlands yeah yeah but because the south asian community is like 100 150 years old there it's and with with new waves all the time You've got these different layers, right? So you've got like a certain, you know, like in the Canadian Parliament, which is our version of Congress, like the third most big spoken language after English and French is Punjabi. Wow. Like wow. Nas nationally. Yeah, that's wild. Right? Jagmeet Singh is the leader of the national opposition. Yeah. So you you have, or, or at least a national party now. And so, you know, out of 600-ish thousand people, over 300,000 are South Asian. And so, you know, Diwali is a thing at school. You could take Punjabi as a high school course that's so different than for a lot of us growing up <laughs> in the states 
the bus drivers, Brent, right? Yeah. So like there, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And so over the decades, like that's become then more. There's you know there's a different food culture. There's a music mm-hmm. culture. We started a uh, a music festival in 2018 that you know first year had 10,000 attendees, wow. and now has become like a, a, a an annual thing. And so. You know, obviously, when you grow up in it, you're like, I just want to get out of here. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> right? What am I doing in this town? Oh, my God. I can't believe, like, there are street signs that are in Punjabi. What are we doing? But when you leave and come back, <laughs> you start to realize that there's a certain level of cultural confidence that does come with that. Sure. Of, of seeing, like, of growing up in an environment where that is a little bit more default. It's it's not. I'm, I'm talking a bit about it a little bit like utopia. And, and there are utopic elements. And there are, obviously, like, the challenges. Um but yeah, it, it definitely built a perspective where I thought when I moved to the States, when I moved to LA to to further my directing career, the assumption was, oh, I'm going to be like this meek Canadian and kind of like, oh, where do I fit in? And what was interesting culturally is I found that among, you know, and this isn't universally true, but among South Asians here, I found that there was a bit of a different position because a lot of people grew up definitely feeling like the minority yeah. or definitely feeling like, you know. Um, the odd one out and so I'm kind of surprised by that and going okay interesting but like there's a there's a maybe slightly more confident cultural position I get to start with here yeah you know I grew up in a very small suburb of Boston where there was probably three or four Desi South Asian families and for us I mean a couple you know a couple of us around the same age like we didn't want to kind of show our Muslim or Muslimist or South Asianist yeah. or Pakistani. You know, so I, I think about like, well, what would it have been like to grow up in a place where we were more than just a couple families, and that it was, you know, and and I think my connection to Pakistan, my connection to that culture, would have been that much deeper, you know. And yeah, it's fast. Yeah, it's fascinating because like I didn't grow up with a lot of Muslims or a lot of Pakistanis. It was mostly Punjabi Sikh, but then in Toronto is a lot more Pakistani, a lot more Muslim. And kind of what you're saying, I'm thinking about my nephews, and I'm like. Like, we didn't have that many Muslims in my high school, but at his high school in the suburbs of Toronto, like, Everybody. they've got an MSA in their high school, wow, first of all. That's crazy. They have Juma every week. Uh, interesting. Um, that MSA has its own Instagram page. Just within his high school, again, I filmed Desi Standard Time Travel in Toronto, and we filmed during Ramadan last year. And, like, first of all, the halal options, whole other thing, right? Like, they've got chain the restaurants that are like... Oh, okay. okay. Uh, well, no, well, no, but just just the, the halal options like in, in well, kind of in the high school because there was a school trip recently and like there was a form that went out and they're like, oh, let us know if you don't want halal. Oh, food, that's, that's really default. interesting. <laughs> or like filming in Ramadan, there was like you know in in Vancouver, the the buses will often have like you know the bus number switches over to like Happy Holidays at Christmas time. In Toronto, it's like Happy Ramadan. Wow. And the, there's, great. like, billboards that have the Tarawi times on them. That's amazing. Like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, these kids don't understand yeah. what they're growing up in. <laughs> like, like, you don't know what it's like. Yeah. And then that was, like, the same year Turning Red came out, like, a Pixar movie set in Toronto. It's like, you children don't know. <laughs> yeah, they got it good. They uh, got but, it they good. Are, <laughs> but they are growing up with a certain amount, like, again, confidence and default and, like, um, and also a little bit of those guardrails, right? Because with a bigger community and a more established community, then, you know, there is weirdly a certain amount of freedom because you know that you're kind of somewhat protected regardless. And, sure. and they kind of move with a different confidence in their religiosity too, which I'm like fascinated by. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's progressing and depending on where you are. Yeah, totally. Maybe one closing question for you before uh, we wrap up. Why is it important to you to center Muslim South Asian stories? Yeah, I think for me, like I do care about representation, but what I really, really care about is exactly what you said. Who's centered in a story? Where, where's the narrative power held? And I think that's a lot of where 
know, we started this off talking about why I care about like wonder and joy and stories. There's a lot of stories about pure trauma and those are really important. But for those to be the only stories we tell is very limiting. It also presupposes that those things are related. You know, I, the, my favorite tweet of all time, I think, was someone said like, well, the way a lot of American Muslims live, you'd think that suffering is a sixth pillar of Islam. <laughs> and and that idea of like virtue with that is not necessarily inherent in the faith, right? And so the idea that even as an individual, and again, where I really care about like the audience who's being represented, when you see yourself on screen, having to choose between Muslim or happy when you're scrolling mm-hmm. through your options to watch, whether or not you're conscious of it, it has an effect. Definitely it has an effect on younger audiences. Yeah. But even as you're older, you, you do take that on and you go, Ugh, I don't want to. I don't want to do homework right yeah, now, right? Totally. Like, I don't want to just yeah, feel agreed. bad. Yeah, for sure. And and that thesis of, like, could you be Muslim and happy? <laughs> Is that possible? And, like, if you just go off of media, maybe it, it seems – I mean, it's improving a little bit now, but but generally the, the tone is no. Um, and I think that there is a certain um, lack of humanity in that, and it and kind of stops us from being able to talk about more nuance. So even in stories about pure trauma, about pure oppression, which, again, are important sometimes – it still kind of centers the oppressor because it gives them all the power. Yeah, totally, right? Like yeah. Them being the villain. And that's why you'll find a lot of quote-unquote mainstream audiences very comfortable with that because even though it's like critiquing them, they're like, yeah, but it's still all about me. Yeah, right, right. And when you fully are able to decenter them, I think in the environment that we've come up in and the environment we're in now, joy is its own act of resistance. And it doesn't necessarily look as dramatic and it maybe doesn't feel as, you know, martyr cool. But it can be really subversive and really effective. And I find that, like, just by giving people a space to be themselves, to explore their own, like, humanity within that, um, that can be very empowering. And so for me, I just want audiences who are people who reflect the people who are on screen, who can walk a little taller, who can feel a little more confident in their day to day. And I find that more mainstream or non-Muslim audiences actually respond to that as well because they also don't want it to feel like homework. They also don't want the burden of like, oh, I have to like this or (laughs) uh, I have to approve of every community as as like a list. Sure, It's giving them a power they don't really want. And I find that they actually kind of want to be in on a conversation that they're not normally in or they want to have the curtain peeled back. And so in a sense, it actually kind of brings in more folks uh, in the end as well. And also just like for my own mental. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, but there's also so totally. many stories to tell there. I don't know. I could go on about it. But that idea that like there's there's so much that we haven't explored. For sure. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm excited to go there and kind of restoke our sense of imagination. Because one thing that we get limited by when we only focus on the problems of today is we actually haven't developed or have cut off our cultural ability to imagine and that's why i get really into genre and sci-fi and you know now directing a heist film for a cool yeah. production company um yeah and, and, and like is, that i is directing one of our shorts so yeah totally yeah yeah and 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 that idea that like when we get to imagine a little bit it get it helps us see ourselves as more than what we might just see in the mirror and gives us a sense of like you know being able to solve it kind of helps us yeah in, in imagining us in in these different worlds, these different scenarios, these different environments, it kind of makes the reality of day-to-day a lot easier to deal with, yeah, I find. I 100% um, agree with that. The space I want people to be in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, Kash, if I can't wait to go on this journey together with you, where can people find the film or follow you? What's the best place? Yeah, go ahead to uh, kashifpasta.com. K-A-S-H-I-F-P-A-S-T-A.com is probably the most reliable spot. That's also my username on Instagram and Twitter and everything. They See Standard Time Travel is currently playing at festivals. If you go to theysee standard time travel.com, you can pop in your email address and 
we'll send you an email when it's either coming to a new city or being released publicly, Ooh, awesome. which will hopefully be sometime next year, inshallah. Oh, that's awesome. Inshallah, for sure. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining American Muslim Project, uh, and we'll have you back again. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do our sound check with producer Ari. This is American Muslim Project. Welcome back to American Muslim Project. It's now time for our sound check with producer Ari. Ari, have you been to Vancouver? (laughs) I, uh, not in my memory. I know that I went to Canada once as like a three-year-old, right. but I haven't. <laughs> you have no memories of, of, of Canada at all, though? No, I wish. I love I love Canadian media. Uh, I want to visit. <laughs> what about his story about where he was on 9-11? That was really fascinating to oh, me. It really was. It's always, it's always interesting to hear like that. It's such a like cultural pin. Totally. I think for anyone who has that memory of like, okay, where were you? What what was your experience there? And it like incredibly unique of that. Like you know, you don't know, and then suddenly, this is the world has just changed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, so I was actually working at a television station um, in Boston, uh, two of them actually during nine eleven, and so you know the news cycle was 24 seven for weeks. And it was just, I, I mean, I have uh, a thousand different stories from that time period. Um, yeah. But yeah, switching gears now, uh, any, any other takeaways from that conversation? I loved, I loved the conversation about really centering mm. the stories of joy, especially like when your uh, community's story is so often like one told with struggle, strife within the oppression, it it gets hard to see yourself outside of that. Yeah. It gets hard to tell stories outside of that. And like finally being able to have some stories that like center that joy, that center like the imagination of where the world could be, I think is what propels us to making a world that is that that is better yeah you know it, so. it's re- it was really timely when he said that because you know you and i have been talking about this project that you brought up t- in yeah. terms of centering queer muslim queer joy and yeah. you know i think that was the first time where you know i i know i know that you wanted it to be specifically around joy but you know i i guess in my head i just wanted queer stories muslim queer stories but i like this idea of centering around joy specifically for this reason and um, I'm glad that we're going in that direction. Did you want to share pe- with people what we're planning on doing, <laughs> though it's not official yet? Yeah. <laughs> um, we are planning an anthology writing project, getting stories from people in especially the South Asian community around queer joy and really releasing those and celebrating those along with pride. Hopefully I'll get to keep doing it throughout the years. <laughs> but I'm so excited because I think that they're there are a lot of stories that people need to hear, and I want I want folks to share them. So, yeah. you know, if you're out there and you have a story, you know, we might be able to hear yeah, it. 100%. And, yeah, definitely reach out to us if you want to partake. We'll have more. You know, just follow us on our socials, um, and, and I'm sure that you will find our call to action. Cool. Let's wrap up there. I want to thank our guest, Kashif, and I want to thank producer Ari, as always. And I want to thank you. We'll see you all next week on American Muslim Project.
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.